this is the in focus podcast from the hindu hello and welcome to the hindu's in focus podcast with me k bharat kumar the reserve bank's monetary policy committee decided to continue to retain the benchmark interest rate at 6.5% its estimate for inflation for fy24 is at 5.1%. This is certainly lower than the upper tolerance limit of 6%, but still higher than the desired midpoint level of 4. Given the RBI's and other central banks' hawkish views on rates, where does India's economy stand? Would the impetus for economic growth have to come from an accommodative fiscal policy, given that the RBI's focus seems highly trained on inflation? Lekha Chakraborty, Professor NIPFP, joins us today to share her perspectives with us on the subject. Uh Professor Chakraborty really appreciate your being with us here today. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. So before we uh, get down to the real brass tacks and nuances of yesterday's announcement by the Reserve Bank Governor uh, Shaktikanta Das following the Monetary Policy Committee meeting of the RBI, I just wanted to have your view from a 30,000 foot view. uh you know is this what you expected uh, this is par for the course you know just between what you anticipated seeing before the announcement and what actually came out is this what you wanted to see absolutely i expected that uh, there will be a status quo in the policy rates and that's exactly what was the market expectations as well so there is no change in that they kept the rate status quo yeah okay great so the reason i asked that was strangely some uh, parts of the market seem to anticipated or even hope for hoped against hope maybe a, a certain kind of u turn where a central bank starts cutting uh, rates uh, you know forget raising them and uh, looks like from a tone point of view uh, we sensed that there's a lot of hawkish tone when it when the governor referred to inflation so do you think it's um, actually Uh, amusing that certain parts of the market expected or hoped against hope against uh, or for a, a rate cut and we've been talking about rate increases for the past um, uh, several months now uh, you know is it even reasonable to have some parts of the market expect that <laughs> no we can't even expect a rate hike because you know the clear articulation of rbi governor uh, versus emphasis on inflation you know there was a sequence uh, you know reversal of priority uh, from growth to inflation so his priority is now not growth but inflation you know rbi policy stance has been very accommodative with low interest rates or low policy rates during the pandemic time but now the clear focus is on that 4% nominal anchor and he has clearly you know articulated that and that's a good thing you know there was a confusion in the market about the band that plus or minus 2 so up to the 6% are we comfortable so that was a confusion but this time uh, rbi governor clearly articulated that his priority is to bring back inflation to 4% so there is no question of rate cut you know not even in the next mbc my hunch is that rate uh, you know hike we can expect only next year not uh, in the immediate future okay just so that you know you, uh, i also get this clearer uh, so there is no question of 
a rate cut because the language seems to have changed. We were talking about a band of 2 to 6% and we're just above 6%. It has to come below 6%. From there on, the conversation tone seems to have changed to, hey, the target is 4%, which means uh, the RBI will watch out uh, for you know how inflation progresses and if necessary, step in to act. And on the other hand, you also talked about uh, expectations or you know the parts of the market that may anticipate a rate hike. And you're saying that's at least one year away. So right now, a pause is the ideal thing to do. And that's what you see going forward. Is that accurate? Absolutely. Uh, a status quo in the rate is the right thing to do, given the uh, you know pressure from the Western world, because Fed was in a hawkish mode. And in the, you know, we anticipate that Fed will go for a pause. But even then, the capital flight is a huge concern. So we need to keep the rates at least status quo to avoid the capital flight, you know, given the global central banks, you know, if you look into Bank of, uh, you know, Canada, Bank of Australia, even the ECB, Christine Lagarde is also in a hawkish mode. So given all these external environment, we need to keep the rates at least status quo. We can't think of a rate cut in the immediate future. Okay. If we get down to the numbers, um, would you think that uh, the RBI has been rather conservative in its own estimates? For example, you know, we saw GDP for Q4, that is the quarter ended March 2023. Uh, it had uh, estimated uh, GDP growth to be sub 6%, but we came in, uh, you know, not really just above 6 but actually to 6.1, which helped the overall um, full year FY23 growth, uh, you know, edge up a bit. So are you you know, satisfied with the numbers that they're putting out in terms of estimates, be it grow, uh, GDP growth or inflation? Yeah, I can understand your concern because if we compare the earlier estimates with now, especially for the Q3 and Q4, you know, there is reduction from 6.1 for the Q3 FY24, they have reduced to 6 and for Q4 from 5.9 to 5.7. But overall, they have kept it constant at 6.5. But, you know, you're right, it is very conservative uh, given, uh, you know, the sluggish global growth. And we are very uncertain about the global inflation target, uh, you know, uh, trajectory. So given all these geopolitical uncertainties and risk and the macroeconomic uncertainties, uh, you know, uh, we can't expect more than 6.5 at this moment. And But, uh, you know, these are very high-frequency estimations. They are bound to change. But uh, Cetrus Paribus, given things constant, you know, I'm comfortable with the way they have predicted that it can't be, uh, you know, 6.5. That, that's fine with me, given the global headwinds and the macroeconomic risk and uncertainties that's, uh, you know, emanating from the geopolitical risk. Yeah. You know, it's interesting that you mentioned, refer to other central banks, Australia, Japan, and even the ECB's uh, hawkish tone. It's interesting because in our earlier conversations that uh, you've had with us, uh, Professor, you also talked about this flight of capital that you refer to in this conversation as well. So in order to have, um, you know, be locks uh, step uh, with any change of interest rates in the West and for India to keep pace so that there is not too much of a rate differential and we're at least keeping the uh, balance consistently. So whenever the West raises rates, we've uh, you know sort of been gradually nudged to raise rates and vice versa. 
but uh, it's interesting because Morgan Stanley, which sort of surprised the market with its um, you know few points that it observed about the Indian economy, seems to have been impressed with the way the economy has functioned for the past few years, and it said. As an economy, we are slowly decoupling from uh, the rest of the world in terms of having to behave in the same way as other central banks when they raise rates or lower rates. And um, also that, you know, uh, the economic growth that we seem to be showing while the rest of the world is in economic gloom shows that there is a certain decoupling of sorts. This, as an observer, obviously, I don't have um, insights into any deep numbers, but as an observer, this sort of surprised me because I thought, if anything, we wished to be more uh, dependent on the rest of the world with our exports uh, and export growth was fantastic for FY22 but it wasn't uh, that great in the year that most recently ended even though there was some growth but it was not uh, significant it, you know we I think the services lifted our numbers more than uh, uh, goods exports did so given all of this and you talked about the flight of capital would you agree that we are actually you know moving out of a zone where we are sort of coupled with the rest of the world and being decoupled more and more? <laughs> Let me reserve comments about the Morgan Stanley report. But you're absolutely right. Yeah, uh, you're absolutely right about our stance on interest rate. And it has to be in concomitant with the global rates because otherwise, you know, capital flight, we can't afford to, you know, uh, suffer the capital flight. But, you know, uh, the rates, uh, when we talk about more than this decoupling, uh, you know, if you clearly listen to the articulation of RBA governor, his focus was on how to tackle the negative interest rates. So his focus was completely internal. And negative interest rate was a huge concern for him. So what he has emphasized now is the policy rate is now 65 and the fully projected inflation for the FI 23-24, that's above 5%. But we are comfortable with the real policy rate in the sense that it is not negative, but positive. So that's, you know, it, it's a matter of relief. So that's the way he articulated. And on the top of that, you know, it is quite, uh, you know, relevant that we need to be in uh, you know tandem with the rates of the global world as you pointed out the interest rate differentials that's a matter of concern that's why they have articulated that there will be a withdrawal of accommodation that accommodative phase because in the pandemic period monetary policy stance remained accommodative accommodative means we kept our interest rates lower but now you know they have the clear narrative is it's the withdrawal of accommodative phase so they will not reduce the rates anymore the priority is back to inflation it's not on growth so the fiscal policy needs to be accommodative to tackle the economic growth recovery process because the monetary policy is going to be entirely looking upon the price stability and he has articulated that uh, my concern is how to bring back the inflation to four percent target the inflation anchor uh that's interesting you touched upon a couple of points uh, in which i anyway had questions uh, so one was fiscal consolidation, the other is withdrawal of accommodation. Let's focus on the withdrawal of accommodation first. Uh, what exactly does it mean? Because uh, I think after the last uh, policy announcement, I think there was some comment by one, um, you know, one of the core um, MPC members. I think it was a deputy governor, which said, "Hey, uh, I, I, there was a dissenting note. I don't." He said, "I don't understand what this means because this is what uh, we've been doing." Uh, you know, sort of comment. 
So do you agree that there is withdrawal of accommodation, maybe not uh, in the way the, the, the MPC has recommended for rates, but maybe sucking out the liquidity so that you know surplus liquidity does not uh, skew the system any further? Would that be an example? Because to the average listener, what would withdrawal of accommodation by the RBI mean while it is paused on changing the rates? Well, that's an intelligent question. That uh, withdrawal of accommodation, what you know, there's uh, quite a bit of you know mystery regarding what exactly you know um, they meant by withdrawal of accommodation. And as you pointed out, there are two things over here. One is uh, you know related to the policy rates. Other is. Uh, you know, related to the liquidity guidance. And uh, withdrawal of accommodation, you know, this is my interpretation. Uh, accommodative phase means, you know, usually we do that when the economy is in downturn or when we are in crisis, like pandemic or geopolitical risk. So we need to keep the rate uh, low. You know, that's, you know, monetary policy remained very accommodative. That's exactly what has happened since May 2020. The monetary policy stance remained accommodative with low interest rates. But now with the mounting global inflation, and, you know, uh, we can't do that accommodative monetary policy stance anymore. So, but we are not ready to say that we are switching from a commodity phase to neutral phase, like neutral positive or, you know, the rate cut or rate lowering the rate. So anything can happen. But we, we have not reached the neutral stance. We are in between. But we cannot, you know, confidently say that we are maintaining an accommodative phase because economic growth recovery has not happened. And we need to support that you know, but we can't do that because the inflation is mounting and we are not allowed to do that because the Western world, the Fed Reserve is in a hawkish mode. So there was a policy dilemma, you know, where to go. So in that, uh, you know, context, uh, what they articulated is that it's a withdrawal of accommodative stance because we can't say that we are still in accommodative stance and support growth recovery because inflation was mounting. So I can see that you know, dilemma or the policy dilemma, uh, you know, that that's very evident. But a neutral stance means we are ready to give equal importance to growth and inflation. So the dynamics we treat with equal respect. But now, you know, given the mounting inflation and given the clear articulation of the governor that my concern is price stability, I need to bring back the inflation back to 4%. So when that is articulation, he can say, you know, maximum he can say that it's, an, it's a withdrawal of accommodative, uh, you know, stance. But coming to the liquidity, that's an interesting question. But on liquidity condition, what RBA governor said, you know, uh, that uh, with this uh, 2,000 bank notes in the banks, you know, that deposits and RBA's open market operations, and, you know, the kind of currency in circulation. So there are issues related to the liquidity, but RBI, they provide a proper, uh, you know, guidance, liquidity guidance, because we need that, the, the complete liquidity suction, we are not ready because that will affect the economic growth recovery. So regarding the liquidity guidance, the tools are entirely different. And there they will remain accommodating for to support the growth. So that's my, you know, limited take on this aspect. And we have various tools to deal with the liquidity guidance. And during the pandemic time also, through the operation twist, like simultaneous buying and selling of bond, uh, you know, by uh, simultaneously selling 
more uh, short-term and buying more long-term, then we also floated the targeted, you know, reverse repo operations. So using various, uh, you know, tools, RBA is doing the liquidity guidance. And that's an entirely uh, different thought process, which is not uh, exactly clear in the articulation of the MPC. You know, MPC, minutes, if you look into it, it's focusing just on the policy rates, uh, their, uh, you know, projections related to the inflation and the growth and that, you know, econ- economic outlook. But the liquidity guidance, I think we need um, uh, to know a little more of what is the liquidity guidance uh, that RBA is going to provide, given the economic growth recovery, you know, it's it's quite crucial. Yeah. So, uh, thank you. That was pretty insightful, uh, your view on withdrawal of accommodation. And in the earlier answer, you touched upon the fact that the RBA is going to be focused on inflation and for growth, you know, the, the fiscal action has to kick in. You know, we, again, we've talked about this, but, you know, some water has flowed under the bridge since our last conversation. You know, I think infrastructure spending has picked up significantly from the government side. Private capex is getting there, I would imagine, because uh, I think the chief economic advisor, Dr. Anant Nageshwaran, has been consistently saying that uh, you know, FY23 has been uh, pretty good compared to the previous six or seven years, and he's hoping that momentum in private capex um, investment would continue in in this uh, fiscal as well. But the government has also committed to a certain glide path, even if we were slightly led astray by uh, you know the compunctions of, that were laid upon us by the pandemic. So, given its commitment to consol- fiscal consolidation and the fact that the government will, in your view, will have to do the heavy lifting to initiate growth. Uh, where do you see the Indian economy right now? Because there are conflicting signals that we get, right? Uh, rural demand uh, in, in the RBI's own report, for, annual report for FY23, said rural demand was weak, even though there are some signs that the governor picked out in, in the June 8th statement uh, after the MPC decision, where he said, uh, you know, two-wheeler sales um, in, in the rural areas had actually picked up and so on, while tractor sales are actually muted. So a lot of conflicting signals. Uh, as to whether you know the road ahead is bumpy or smooth as far as economic growth goes. So given all of these challenges and the government's own commitment to fiscal consolidation, uh, where do you think we stand as an economy? Yeah, it's it's very nuanced. And you said it. I missed to you know speak about the government stance when I talked about the liquidity management when you asked me the last question. You're right, you know, public debt management is very crucial and our big governor has clearly mentioned that going forward, RBA will remain nimble in its liquidity management because he need to ensure adequate resources are available for you know the productive requirements of the economy. So that's exactly what he mentioned. So here, the public debt management is very important because we are keeping the fiscal policy accommodative. Because monetary policy is completely focusing on its inflation containment and it's partial on its, uh, you know, impact on the growth recovery. So fiscal policy needs to be accommodative. But on the same side, as you mentioned, you know, uh, when the rates are going higher, the cost of borrowing is going higher. Then how long we can keep the fiscal policy accommodative is yet another issue and fiscal risk emanating from high interest rates, interest cost, and, you know, the interest payments will go up. These are concerns. But uh, in spite of all these, uh, you know, the clear articulation or coordination between the North Bloc and RBI is that the fiscal policy will remain 
accommodative. And in the long term or in the medium term, the fiscal consolidation path mentions that by 25, 26, we will reduce the fiscal deficit to GDP by 4.5%, not to 3% as the stipulated or the threshold of, you know, what is mentioned in the FRBN, because that will clearly affect the economy if you, uh, you know, uh, force or pressurize the fiscal policy stance to remain, you know, very tight with 3% of fiscal deficit to GDP right now, it is definitely going to affect, uh, you know, the growth outcome. Uh, so the fiscal policy will remain accommodative, uh, you know, with its uh, debt and deficits little higher. And in the medium term, by 25-26, we can expect that the fiscal deficit to GDP can come down to, uh, you know, uh, three, uh, that 4.5% of GDP. And this is good because uh, the high deficits and high debt is linked to the capex or the infrastructure investment. And if that is the case, of course, with the lag effect, we will get, because if you see the growth numbers, also, you know, the uh, gross capital formation and the investment by the government and uh, the growth is growth is led by investment. So investment is crucial. So in order to, you know, trigger that or in order to uh, make it uh, in, in continuum, the capex or the capital infrastructure investment, we need to keep the fiscal policy accommodative and we need to substantiate high deficits, uh, you know, linking it to the capex infrastructure investment. You know, uh, otherwise, if you go back to the fiscal consolidation path by articulating once again that the revenue deficit needs to be zero, it's going to affect even the human capital formation because the social infrastructure investment will be curtailed if the revenue spending will be curtailed. So we can't even think of that golden principle of fiscal consolidation right now uh, to maintain zero revenue deficit. That will affect the revenue expenditure, which is very crucial for the social infrastructure investment. So I think the policy coordination will be uh, the primarily the growth uh, will be tackled by the fiscal policy. And RBA governor articulated that his uh, you know, concern is inflation uh, and the price stability. But this is what is the situation. But beyond, uh, you know, this scenario of the new monetary policy framework and articulation of not block. If you unpack this and think independently, out, out of box thinking, there is an issue over here. Like why this watertight compartmentalization that inflation is a cup of tea of RBI and the growth by the fiscal policy. There is a, you know, a challenge over here because inflation is equally the concern of the fiscal policy authorities. Otherwise, you know, the inflation, through that inflationary expectations channel, RBI is unable to manage the supply side components of inflation. So there, you know, fiscal policy authorities also have equal role to play to contain the inflation. At the same time, you know, if the monetary policy authorities, you know, over the years, through the new monetary policy framework, through the institutional reforms, through the inflation targeting framework in India, the articulation came down to that point. Price stability is a sole concern of RBI. So now we cannot even, you know, keep a gun on uh, his head, governor's head, and ask why growth is not your concern. Because by mandate, he was supposed he's supposed to look into the price stability. So do we need a rethinking about the rules? 
the watertight compartmentalization of the rules we designed for the fiscal policy and the monetary policy stance, that's yet another question, you know, because the conversation so far we have done is within the constraints of the macroeconomic policy framework of India. But when we unpack that, these are the questions that's coming to my mind. Lovely. That was pretty detailed and insightful. Thank you, Professor. Um, you know, I, I just uh, want to add to your point, mandate given to RBI. And it was interesting to read uh, uh, Dr. Subara, the former RBI governor's book, where he says it's not inflation or growth. Uh, you know, low inflation is a, is a prerequisite to growth. So I think uh, on that note, uh, we will wind down this conversation. Thank you so much. Um, your, your views have been very insightful and helpful. Thank you so much for being with us again today and look forward to more such conversations with you. Sure. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. In Focus will be back soon with analysis of the biggest news issues. In the meantime, you can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher and other platforms. Just search for In Focus by The Hindu. We'll see you soon.